0: different kinds of expertise and knowledge i think sometimes we think of only certain categories of people as experts and so we want to challenge our students to start thinking about you know what are some other kinds of expertise and knowledge that are valuable and how can we kind of try to make those more accessible
1: Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell, here with another podcast with people making good journalism. Joining me in studio today is an old friend from afar, Andrea Wenzel. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea.
0: Thank you. It's delightful to be here. It's
1: delightful to have you in studio. Now, you've been on the podcast a couple of times talking about solutions journalism, first for a project you did in South Los Angeles, and then another project that you did in rural Kentucky. So, well, tell me why you're in town right now in D.C.
0: I'm here for the AJMC conference, and so learning from different people, doing really interesting work in the journalism realm, and um, also because we did a paper that relates to the project that we did in Kentucky, kind of following up on some of the work there.
1: Yeah, and uh, we just found out, or at least I found out today, that you (laughs) won the Research Prize for Professional Relevance from the Association of Education in Journalism and Mass Communication, so congratulations for that. Thank you. So I guess it means you're relevant.
0: I hope so. That would be great. I, I think that it's actually a really smart prize. It's the first year that I've done this prize, and I actually didn't know about it until we got it. Um, and I got it with Sam Ford, my collaborator on the project. And uh, I just think it's very, it's great to kind of give academics an incentive to think about how their work can be relevant so and cross over to pro- professional realms.
1: It's nice. It's nice when when actually you're doing work that kind of, kind of means something. So was that from the a, a, a report that you did that was, after Kentucky?
0: It was a paper that we did that followed up on the on the research we've been doing in Kentucky. So, yeah, a paper that we had submitted to this conference, and then they, they went through and reviewed all the papers from the conference, and they chose the winners from
1: that. So what, what is do you think that they saw as relevant? Or, you know, one would hope that if you say it's relevant, that you, it would be something that was important to you know journalism education journalism right now
0: well so it was a study that looked at one rural hyperlocal and their experiments to kind of adapt community traditions that were already existing in the community and try to adapt them into engaged journalism practices and so they did this in a number of different ways using community contributors doing you know different kinds of listening tours that happened to be going to these rural convenience stores where these groups of older gentlemen would hang out, and they called them liars' tables. Um, they called them that themselves, not us. <laughs> but anyhow, so they were doing a number of interesting, kind of very, you know, lo-fi experiments, and then looking at how that could affect their ability to connect with their audience, but also to, you know, look at questions like, will this help with their subscription base? But m- more importantly, looking at how it could, you know, in- increase their connection to the community that they're trying to serve. And I think one thing I remember they said that they liked was that it's looking at a a, a small, you know, a small hyperlocal outlet, which is, you know, for a lot of, you know, a lot of times studies look at, you know, bigger news outlets, understandably, which are very important, but it's nice to, you know, also look at where a lot of people do get their news in a lot of communities around the U.S. that are small, you know, small rural areas. So.
1: Yeah, I've had the opportunity to talk at different places about journalism and and we sort of get into these conversations and people on, on the podcast as well about, you know, how to better engage the community, what opportunities and things are out there, or even just a political representation, you know, or, you know, the audience's reputation in the newsroom. And I've, I've cited your study a, no, a number of times. It's so relevant in so many different, different ways in the conversations that we're having right now about journalism. I mean, you know, this idea that when people talk about, you know, mainstream media or, or the news, they tend to think of, of cable news, but completely leaving out that sort of really important strata in the local market which many people value much more than they do these the bigger outlets.
0: Yeah, and many people trust more too. So I mean, most of the projects I'm working on are looking at this question of of trust and mistrust in media and when you look at the, you know, the statistics that a number of of like quantitative large-scale studies have reported, trust in local news tends to be a little bit better than trust in national outlets. So There's other issues with trust in local news, which we get at. My colleagues and I in Philadelphia have been looking at some other issues with trust in local news. But I think it's a really important place to start digging and looking at because there's more potential, I think, to, you know, create some repair in that relationship between local media and and residents. So.
1: Okay. Well, th- this is me being a, a, a bad podcaster again. There's actually somebody else in the room that I neglected to introduce. Amelia <laughs> Brust, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you for letting me sit in. <laughs> sit in. Well, <laughs> Amelia works at Federal News Radio with me, and she expressed an interest to help us out with the podcast. So we're going to try to get to work her into a role here. And she's been sort of observing. Well, Coincidentally, she's a graduate of uh, the Klein School at uh, Temple University where uh, Andrea teaches now. That, that's Yay. where you kind of went Yay. to. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Okay. So uh, tell us what you're doing in, in Temple.
0: So, I mean, I, I teach there and I'm teaching um, a couple of solutions journalism courses there, among other things. But I'm also doing research. I'm continuing to do my research in Kentucky and some other places, but it's been really great to dig in to get to know Philadelphia. I'm very new to Philly. I've only been there for a year. So I've been learning a lot from people who have deep roots in Philly um, and trying to kind of get to know it as best I can. But we've been doing a research project there where we've kind of adapted the model that we use in Kentucky with the recognition that what... These local projects do can't be scalable. You can't take what we did in Kentucky and do it in Philly. But what we want to see is what does it look like if we take the process as portable and implement the process in Philly. And so we did a research study working. So I was working with several really great collaborators, Anthony Nadler, Melissa Valle, and Mark Lamont Hill. And so we worked together and looked at two sites in the Philadelphia region. One, the neighborhood of Germantown, which is a it's a historically African American community in Northwest Philly. It has a history of a lot of like negative media coverage. So it, questions of stigmatized representations in media were a big part of the conversations there. And then the other site we looked at was Montgomery County and like in Collegeville in Montgomery County in particular, which is a suburban area of Philly. It's majority white. It's politically about split um, as far as how folks voted in the 2016 election and they have issues there of you know questions about news deserts with a lot of consolidation in the local newspapers and things like that so two very different sites with different sets of issues but we wanted to look at what are the local news needs and the community information needs in these places and then what ideas do residents have for strengthening the relationship between them and local media and ideas that they might have for you know, doing interventions to make things better and to build trust? So that's what we, we did a research study. We invited different stakeholders back to have a, a workshop and come up with ideas. Or, so that was local journalists, um, participants in the study, um, community leaders, uh, and people who do work in engaged journalism and solutions journalism. And so now we're starting to get to piloting some of those project ideas that came out of that process.
1: Okay. Well, what are some of the, the ideas that, the, that it came out of that? Sure. Um, so mostly we've been looking
0: in the neighborhood of Germantown. And one of the things that we're hopefully going to start working on in the fall is something we're calling a neighborhood info hub. It's maybe not the greatest title. We're kind of we're hoping maybe crowdsource something a little more glamorous, but... Basically, it has two major purposes. So some of the things that people said were a real concern was that I think it was really important that people pointed out that, you know, a lot of times we talk about deficits in local news, but there's also some really interesting assets that exist in communities where people, you know, different community organizations, different sort of just active citizens circulate information. They might not do it in a traditional way of what we think of as journalism, right? So it might be on a neighborhood Facebook page. It might be a newsletter. It might be like a physical flyer. So there's a lot of information out there in this community. It's a community that's got a lot of active community organizations. So we wanted to understand, like people would say we have this information, but people aren't necessarily all synced up to each other. You know, so there's, there's issues of people not having access to this hyper local information that isn't going to be interesting to like the Inquirer or HYY or, you know, the citywide media outlets, but that has a real value in people's lives. So we wanted to kind of address that as one thing. The other thing was people complained about questions of representation and this, you know, of how people outside coming into the neighborhood reported on the community. So they're like, you know, we only get reported on when there's a shooting, you know, and, or people sometimes report something happened in Germantown, but it, it's not even Germantown. It's Germantown Ave, <laughs> so, but it's a different neighborhood because there's not deep roots between, like the reporters are maybe not from the area and not familiar with the area. And so people felt that they, you know, in addition to their hyperlocal information needs, they also cared about feeling stigmatized, feeling that they weren't represented well and that they wanted the narrative that circulated about their neighborhood to be closer to what they knew and experienced. And so this information hub is hopefully going to tackle in some small ways, both of these things. So first of all, we're going to um, get together like a panel of kind of different kinds of leaders in the community, like not necessarily all traditional leaders, but people who represent different parts of the community and have different pockets of information and have them kind of form like a hub. And then we're going to have our students work with them. And we fortunately got a, it's called a CLEF grant from the, from the Lenfest Institute to use Harkin and GroundSource. So we're going to be in one of our courses working with this community information hub and helping them to use GroundSource, which is a way you can... You know, have interactions with community members through text messaging. And so it's a way both to share information but also to solicit information and you know get ideas from folks and, and ask them what they want to know about. So we'll be working with people on that. The other thing we'll do is we'll set up accountability relationships between this community info hub and some citywide media outlets. So WHYY, the public radio station. And an organization called Resolve, which is a solutions journalism collaboration, are also partnering with us on this. And so they, the solutions journalism collaboration Resolve has a coalition of different news outlets in Philly, like 20 outlets now. And it includes, you know, like the Enquirer, includes like like major, you know, players in the local media landscape. But then it also includes different um you know, hyperlocal and ethnic media outlets, and you know, just a whole range of outlets. And so, we're not exactly sure what that will look like as far as their whole collaboration. But we know, like you know, for example, this community information hub. Say, um, people suggest ideas for for stories, or they suggest ideas for something they want to know about, and then we share that with the media partners, and they do a story about it. Then we're going to try to see, okay, can we set up like a accountability conversation where the reporter says, hey, you know, come at this time and talk to me about this story I just did about your neighborhood and tell me what you think. You know, did I get it right? What can I do better? Give people that opportunity to have that kind of interaction. So it's a little complicated and it's going to be an experiment and it involves a lot of different actors and a lot of, you know, like students. So it could be messy, but we're going to give it a try.
1: It's interesting because a lot of things you're talking about remind me of things that you talked about before, yeah. you know, the same sort of problems existing in, you know, in rural Kentucky and, and certainly in, in South Los Angeles, some of the things you were, that, that you were dealing with the there where you had people who just felt that they were completely underrepresented, that, you know, people didn't understand what the, the the makeup of the neighborhood was. They they didn't see them their stories being told and they weren't even telling, they weren't telling sto- their stories, but they weren't telling necessarily stories that, that were really relevant to what they were doing. Do you, I mean, is it too early to, to get a sense whether, you know, the, the Philadelphia journalists, are they, are they, are they sort of open to this as, as a way to, to write different types of stories? It's
0: a little early to say, I mean, I would say that the people who participated in our workshops were, I think they really appreciated it, Um, you know, and that's not, you know, the entire (laughs) Philadelphia media landscape, but like, certainly like folks like the people at WHYY, for example, I know they've had follow they, they participated in the you know in the research study and the workshop. and then following on from that, I know they've had conversations with community members who participated as well and done some follow-up activities based on that. And so there's kind of organically relationships are forming and being followed up on, which I think is really which is what we want. Um, so I think that there are people who recognize that, They want, I mean, their goals are the same. They want to connect with these communities. They want to be relevant to these communities. Um, But they also, through participating in this process, it helps, I think, to think about what are our gaps? What are things that we might have as habits that are not always helpful? (laughs) You know, like there's a lot of things that are just kind of tried and true habits in journalism that. Sometimes they present barriers for forming relationships with communities. And so that's something I think they're trying to grapple with and figure out how, you know, to work as an institution to, you know, be responsive to communities. And so certainly the, the organizations that participated so far have, I think, appreciated it and are, you know, doing interesting work, you know, coming out of it. But of course, it's, you know, it's too early to really make big claims about that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I know one of the problems with, it's more the newsroom. It's They're doing the same types of stories over and over again. And, you know, a journalist is is or reporter is only going to do a story maybe that they're more, more comfortable with or talk to people that they're comfortable with. They're not necessarily talking to people who, you know, have a different, you know, experience, life experiences from them, a different socioeconomic. And looking at it from the other direction, it's, you know, those types of people aren't being, Getting into newsrooms, they aren't rising through the ranks of newsrooms. and you know and they have a point of view that's just being completely ignored. And so you know when you have opportunities like this to bridge, I mean that's a good thing, and one to hope that you know a lot of journalists out there who want to do good work and maybe begin to begin to understand that real change comes from you know changing your perspective and changing your approach and and doing different types of stories. So tell me about the the student aspect of this. How are you involving the students in this whole process?
0: We're actually about to start kind of an experiment that I think will be kind of interesting. So I'm co-teaching with Mark Lamont-Hill, who's also a professor at Klein College at Temple. And so this fall, we're going to be teaching a course that's going to center around Germantown as a solutions journalism course. And we're going to have half Temple students and half community members. And so that's going to be you know just really interesting as it is and it'll be community members mostly from the germantown area and so the idea there is that you know there'll be kind of cross-pollination of ideas you know kind of insider outsider perspectives and just an opportunity for them to co-report as teams stories they're also going to be doing a lot of community engagement work so that sort of in the service of this community information hub so for example you know they'll have Feats within the neighborhood where they'll set up tables and, and, you know, interact with folks and, you know, sign folks up for the the use ground source for this community information hub. It'll be a lot of it will depend on ideas that come from them and ideas that come from the community information hub, you know, the community members in it. So like, I can tell you what I think it might look like, but it could change and it probably will. So it's gonna be quite an experiment, but we're hoping over the course of the semester to involve the students both in helping to, so there's gonna be doing two things, which I think will be quite interesting. One, coming up with like a local knowledge database, we're calling it. It's So you know how as a reporter, sometimes you're very busy, you, you know, have certain people you know you can call and they'll answer their phone and they'll be able to give you kind of quick, you know, they'll be able to talk and sound bites. So, you know, whatever you happen to need.
1: The usual suspect Yes.
0: <laughs> so what we've thought about is how can we help to build n- unusual, <laughs> you know, so uh, that probably I should probably stop with that metaphor. But, you know, so they're going to look at coming up with a list of sources that maybe aren't traditional sources, you know, who maybe, maybe it's just a person who lived on a block for, you know, 40 years, and they're kind of the go-to person for, you know, if you want to know what's happening in that area, you talk to so-and-so. So So that's, you know, somebody who might be on the source list. Different kinds of expertise and knowledge. I think sometimes we think of only certain categories of people as experts. And so we want to challenge our students to start thinking about you know what are some other kinds of expertise and knowledge that are valuable and how can we kind of try to make those more accessible and so they're going to put together this local knowledge database and then we'll be able to also share it with media partners so that when you know why or someone else comes into the community and wants to do a story about something like they can look at this and be like oh well that would be an interesting person to talk to for this story so hopefully it will it will help to expand the menu of choices for journalists and for, of course, the students who are doing reporting too. So that's one of their assignments that they're working on.
1: I'm going to just ask this question because I know it and and if there happens to be any other Temple Owls listening, they'll be thinking about this. Are you going to incorporate the um, Philadelphia Neighborhoods like Capstone course into this? Because for anyone who didn't go to Temple, which is most people, probably, <laughs> um that is the capstone course that journalism seniors have to take. And it splits students up into groups and they go out and report on a particular neighborhood for the whole semester. And I'm sure Germantown has been yeah. in that rotation a couple times, yep,
0: yep. It, it is. Um And yeah, I taught I taught Philly neighborhoods one semester, and it was super interesting. and i'm and I'm in conversation with them about how we can collaborate. And so we're trying to sort of figure out the details of it, but we're definitely going to, you know, see how we can, you know, maybe some of the content that comes out of this will, you know, go on to the Philadelphia Neighborhood site. Maybe we can share some of the ideas that come up with the students working on Philadelphia Neighborhoods at the time. But definitely that's something that we want to try to make that a collaboration.
1: Mm -hmm. That's why I brought you in here to ask those those (laughs) very very specific temple related (laughs) questions. Well, I was actually, I was going to ask about how to get students involved in this, but I guess, you know, how can we sort of spread this message of of solutions journalism? I know I've had you on the podcast talking about it a a couple of times and I see sort of seeds around it, around the country and different other types of programs. You know, how can we get the message out? How can we get communities involved? How can we get journalists involved in this?
0: Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of people working on it now, which is really interesting. And I, I, for me, like, I guess I'm interested most in how do you like thinking of it as a means to an end. And I think solutions journalism ideally goes hand in hand with engaged journalism. But I think that it's a really it's an exciting place to to start because giving it that term is something like, oh, what does that mean? You know, and it's like it it's a thing that, you know, journalists, some journals have been doing for a long time without that term. But I think like having it is super valuable. And even if it's a provocative conversation, because I, I know there's plenty of newsrooms where people are skeptical of it still and have concerns about advocacy journalism. But I think the Solutions Journalism Network, of course, is doing a ton of work and they're grown, they've grown quite a lot. And they have people now in different parts of the U.S. And they have a lot of relationships with universities now, which that's grown a lot. They've done, you know, like, University of Oregon just did a, a, like an educators forum where they brought in journalism professors and like talked about how can we teach this differently? They have people like kind of working with newsrooms in different parts of the country and trying to make sure that they're working with not just individual reporters, but also working with editors, working with other parts of the institution, which I think is really important. You know, it's it's definitely the profile of it has grown. And I think you know, they're raising interesting questions. So, I, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I'm optimistic that it seems to be on, like, has has some momentum.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> let me let me ask you, because you you mentioned advocacy, and I, I seem to remember the first time the, that I had you on, that there was somebody who had written in and sort of responded and says, well, this, this is not what journalism is. Journalism is, you go out, you ask some questions, you report them. You're not, you have to be totally, you know, unbiased. You're not there to solve a problem. You're not there to advocate for some sort of you know, making the world better or or some type of position, you're supposed to just report the news. What do you say to somebody like that who says that to you?
0: Sure. I mean, I think so. Solutions journalism is not the same thing as advocacy journalism. I mean, the way they describe it, it's about reporting. That's rigorous, looking at responses to social challenges. It should be critical. It should involve evidence. It should look at what is working and what's not working. You can have solutions journalism about failure you can look at what we can learn from something that didn't work so well but the idea is that the role of journalists you know th- this interpretation looks at it as how can we you know help citizens make good choices <laughs> if we think about like, how how to be an informed citizen it's not just knowing what's not working right it's it's also understanding what's being attempted to address problems you know what what are possible responses to problems and so you can't be a well-informed citizen, if you don't know that too, you know, you don't have access to that whole set of choices and possible, you know, things that you can do about a problem if you don't know what they are, about what the possible solutions are, or about what the responses to the problems
1: are. Just to sort of wrap this up, you're, you're in town for a conference. Is there anything really interesting that you heard at the conference?
0: There's been so many things that I can't tell you one. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. I have like conference brain, <laughs> like it's like when you've spent the whole day at the museum and there's just too many things you can't absorb anymore. I feel like I, I can think about that. I'm trying to think about that now, but it might, it might take me a second.
1: <laughs> well, did, did you do a presentation? I did. Was it on, was it on Solutions Journalism? Or? It was
0: on, it was adjacent to, it was related,
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was
0: um, looking at our Kentucky project and looking at this engaged journalism efforts from this hyper-local outlet. So, but there's people, there was a panel that I just missed that looked really interesting looking at different ways of looking at impact. There's been some really interesting panels. There's one that I, that was quite interesting looking at how objectivity is problematic, which is something that I'm sure will freak <laughs> people out. But looking, particularly looking at questions of race and how objectivity sometimes is used as a way of avoiding you know, hard conversations and it's used you know, as a kind of a way of backing up white privilege, basically. But so there's, that's a longer conversation and I won't do it justice, but there's been some really interesting conversations going on in different circles of the conference that I think are worth looking into.
1: Yeah. It's one of the nice things about conferences like that. It, you know, there are a lot of people out there doing research that may not be relevant <laughs> as you being the relevant, uh, award winner are, but there, there are others that are, they're doing stuff that, you know, they're training journalists in, you know, in different types of techniques, different types of reporting, you know, getting out in the community. It's a great opportunity to sort of share these new ideas and and find new wrinkles in educating journalism. You know, you know, before we, we turn to the mics, we were talking about, you know, you being an educator, this is your first time sort of being a sort of a full-time journalism educator. How do you feel about being a journalism professor? (laughs)
0: I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's, I think it's an exciting moment to be doing. It. I think it's a challenging moment because I think there's a lot of real questions students have about how is the field changing? What are the options in the field? But I...
1: Do I need a journalism degree to to yeah, be a journalist?
0: Sure. And there's no one right answer to that question. You know, <laughs> I, I certainly think that we can offer a lot of really valuable skills and experiences and opportunities, you know. So I I feel good about being in a journalism school, but I, you know, I think it's just a really interesting moment in the U.S. as far as journalism goes, but globally as well, just with different, you know, different practices being discussed, different, you know, technological changes, so many different things going on right now that there's tons of challenges, but I think also some interesting opportunities as well.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I I did a podcasting pa- panel at the conference uh, a couple of days ago, and before we started, I talked to to the other professors there who you know I, I teach like a, a graduate class like once a year, but they're you know they're regular professors they're they're dealing with undergrads and, and graduates, and I asked them you know is the you know the the current political envir- environment what's going on you know this this whole dialogue about you know is the is the media Uh, the enemy, if that sort of stuff, asking them if, you know, do you see that there's any sort of, you know, impact? I mean, how is that, how are the the students processing that as they're going to journalism school? And mm, they didn't dodge the question, but they were like, well, we really don't see a lot of it. A lot of the students are just, you know, checking off a box and and moving through their degree, but there, there are others who are engaged in journalism. It's something that really concerns them and something they're thinking about.
0: Yeah, no, it's obviously a huge thing. And, you know, I think solutions journalism offers some interesting ways of thinking about questions of political polarization. There was an article and the author's name is escaping me right now. I can share with you. um, But it was really an interesting article looking at rethinking how journalists, you know, cover polarized issues. and, And I think, I mean, in my own work, solutions journalism has come up because it's been a way of reframing the question of who is to blame in a highly polarized issue to how can we solve the problem. And so I think that that's an interesting way of thinking about
1: sort of diffuses the mm-hmm. the the tension. Yeah, it's it's more of a pragmatic approach to it. It's like, oh well, let's not let's not deal with this right and wrong, left and right, or whatever. Let's deal with. The issued hand and, and what can we do to sort of untie this knot?
0: Yeah, and there'll still be differences, and there'll still be you know meaningful challenges as far as like it doesn't it's not going to make everybody suddenly agree, but it's a way of reframing the discussion. And I think thinking about questions of dialogue is something that I'm increasingly interested in. I think I mean I think there's a lot of possibilities of using a solutions journalism frame for that. I'm hoping to do some more research around those questions of like what. Role and responsibility do journalists have to facilitate dialogues? So that was a, something that came out a little bit in our Philly and Mon- you know Montgomery County in particular. Um, those conversations is that you know journalists have a role as sort of mobilizers of dialogue. You know, it's not only that we're just yeah, yeah that there's opportunities and responsibilities there as well. And I think that's a important thing to look at. That's why I think some of the work being done. By different engaged journalism folks who really focus on like using community organizing strategies, like the Free Press News Voices folks, they just put out a study not too long ago, or not a study, but a, like a guide for how journalists can use community organizing strategies, which I think is very valuable and people should check it out. But there's I think a lot going on in that area of looking at how can journalists be kind of responsible actors in facilitating dialogue.
1: This is uh, it's been a great conversation. It's always I, I love talking to you, Andrea. Uh, I'm really great having you in the in the studio this time.
0: Thank you. Likewise, it's, it's great to be here.
1: You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at it'salljournalism.com. It takes a lot of people to put together an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Legrisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Nicholas Hunter provided web support and Amelia Brust helped with the planning. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Would you like to find out more about our podcast? Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get the latest news about our podcast, information about live events, and just good conversation about good journalism. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. The Capital Culture Podcast with your hosts, Rachel Nania and Jason Fraley. We have a new podcast called Capital Culture. Each week we go in-depth with chefs like Marcus Samuelson and writers like Bon Appetit's Adam Rappaport.
0: We'll also talk plays with Kathleen Turner, movies with Emma Stone, and music with Smokey Robinson. Not to mention some of your favorite WTOP voices. The Capital Culture Podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcast1.com, or at wtop.com. Search Podcast DC.
1: The Target USA podcast with your host, J.J. Green. Russia could render a huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. That could touch the whole of the United States. ISIS. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to see an attack. This is J.J. Green. Join me each week for the latest on U.S. and international security on Target USA.
0: The Target USA podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, onecom or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC.